Hi there, so welcome to the first ever episode of The Print Reviews. My name is Colin Sinclair McDermott, aka The Online Print Coach, and today I am joined by my very first guest, which is Sam Armstrong of Make It Happen Signage Consultancy. Sam, thank you for joining me today. How are you? I'm very good, thank you, Colin. Thank you for allowing me to be your first guinea pig. You're popping my podcast cherry today, and I know we've spoken about it quite a few times. We're not quite as glamorous as we both were, I think, the last time we've seen each other. We were at the Printing Charity Awards down at um, the House of Lords, and um, we're obviously all dressed up that night, so we're a little bit more casual today, but thankfully we don't have to let the audience see that side today because it's purely audible but um no listen thank you for coming on board i think you know it's going to be a really a really interesting conversation i know you've got a lot of good knowledge and wisdom to share to start with tell us a little bit about yourself yeah certainly i'm clearly sam samantha armstrong from make it happen signage consultancy limited i've run make it happen for seven years I have an amazing Katie Askin, who is my COO, though she refuses to be called a coup, as she <laughs> said. And Zoe is also a friend. Uh, she's an account handler for us. Um, so that's it from from sort of the make it happen side. Outside of that, completely different. How much do you want to know, Colin? Well, tell, tell, us, tell us a little bit about how you get involved in, in the industry, uh, first of all. Okay, so 22 years ago, very easy for me to remember. I finished uh, maternity leave with my second child. Mm-hmm. And I went to work with a friend uh, in Tring, where I live. Initially, I just went in to help them out with a bit of admin, a bit of consultancy, because I absolutely love customer service. Customer service with a smile, as they say. <laughs> and lo and behold, he decided to set up a, a trade division of his company. And essentially, I ran that for him. We uh, purchased routers, lasers, uh, predominantly did flat cut letters, then went into built up and fabricated work. Um, and I can still remember to this day my very first customer, Jerry Woodham from Artistic Signs. There you are, Jerry, if you're ever listening, still <laughs> remember. And I was there for seven years. And then I went to work with a team up at Appalach for nine years. Um, I'm based in Tring and they're based in Bradford. And so mm-hmm. nine years later, at the age of I don't know if I want to say my age, but several years later, I decided <laughs> if I don't do something now, Colin, when will I do it? So I took a bit of a leap of faith and and formed Make It Happen. Fantastic. And and prior to kind of to joining that friends signage company, kind of. Was your background in signs before that? Not at all. I mean, who goes to school and thinks, oh, I'm going to be in signs. Fantastic. Um, I didn't even know signs existed. Obviously, we all look at signs day in, mm-hmm. day out, but I don't think anybody thinks about how they're made mm-hmm. or actually all the different roles, etc. So um, I predominantly worked uh, within the hotel industry. Mm-hmm. And I organised people's uh, functions, and in particular their weddings, which I loved doing. Imagine being, you know, helping organise somebody's special day. It, it was lovely for a period of time, but then when I had the children, working weekends became very dif- difficult because course, if yeah. you organise, yeah, if you're organising somebody's wedding, then quite naturally they would want you to be involved on the wedding day itself. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that meant Saturdays and Sundays. Be, you know i'd be away sort of all week working and, and that that wasn't possible with a, a three and a two-year-old three and a one-year-old yeah. at the time. no it's tough I, I actually kind of kind of not long after college and for a while so i was at the print college was involved in hospitality and it's 
it's okay if you're single and you don't have commitments at home, but certainly kinda if you've uh, if you've got a partner, if you've got children, kinda it's just not the most sociable kinda job at all. So can I can understand why why that wasn't kinda didn't have the longevity. Funny, so because I did think about going back into it before I started make it happen because you know, if you, really? have, a, if you have a real passion for something mm-hmm. It did, you know, it did dawn on me, but then, then I'm, I'm, but now, absolutely no regrets whatsoever. Sorry to interrupt yeah. you, but no, no, that's all right. That's we're here to listen to you today. So, when you when you started in the the signage company 22 years ago, I'm guessing that probably wasn't a wasn't a heavily dominated kind of female industry at that time. No, no, not not that. I mean, certainly from from my perspective, when I first started within that role, I was the only female at the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As the company grew, we did actually have other females that, but but the the other ladies, they were all doing the sales element of it. No, yeah. no, no production side. And actually, Zoe, who works with me now, is is mm-hmm. from my white signs days. So okay. we, so we go back a long way. Mm-hmm. Um, so not really heard of, and even now going into people's factories, I know now it's it's definitely better. Mm-hmm. There's still nowhere near the same ratio. Well, to yeah. my knowledge, unless somebody's mm-hmm. going to shout out you're completely wrong, or Sam. Mm-hmm. You know, when I go oh. into the factory at Seinfab, I think there's probably 11 women out of 160 staff. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's definitely changing. It's definitely, as, as you know, I was involved in a, a panel discussing this at the at the the exhibition in, in March um, at, at the NEC, and. Um, there does seem to be a paradigm shift, and I and I guess it's down to to, to women like yourself who are obviously kind of leading the way. And as, as we talk about the sign the sign awards earlier in the year as well, kind of you were you won the the award for industry industry champion. Um, yeah. so it's it's obviously kind of down to to people like yourself kind of leading the way. Now, as I kind of mentioned, obviously I want this podcast to be about kind of having real conversations and, and getting down to kind of so so people get to know you a little bit better. So. You're obviously fairly well known in the industry, especially to to, to have won that award. But tell tell, me, tell tell us something that we don't know about Sam Kinner that perhaps might come as a surprise. Well, let, let me put it this way: I have been known as a drama queen, um, which probably <laughs> people will go, "Yeah, we know that, Sam." But actually, I was really into drama before mm-hmm. being a drama queen. So, in my younger years, I played Nancy and all of that. Yes, just a school play, but I got a standing ovation. I was. I think I was 15, 16 years old at the time. I sang at Wembley Stadium when I was a child in front fantastic. of 7,000 people. Still remember it. It was over a Christmas period for a Christmas conference. Mm-hmm. Um, I auditioned for the main character in Name Is. Uh, I didn't get it. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the drama side of Sam. The other side of Sam, there, there will be a lot of people that think, oh, you know, Sam is confident. You know, I, I do hear that a lot. Sam, you're really confident the way you speak to people, et cetera, et cetera. But in my own time, I'm fairly quiet, to be honest with mm-hmm. you, because you cannot be Mrs. Tigger all the time. Yeah. You, know, you have to have a bit of time out. And the other thing is, and I, I don't, I don't hide this. In fact, I actually talk about it on the front line about be be the difference and i don't mean that for me i mean that for everybody be mm-hmm. the difference in what you do and it resonates with um the fact that uh, myself and my brother were both adopted from okay. two different families I, I am indeed scottish i was born in glasgow clearly you can tell 
from the accent. <laughs> Our accents are uh, very similar. <laughs> and uh, my brother is from a Welsh family. And where I'm going with that is uh, sometimes people say, you know, really strong character. So I was really bullied uh, really badly at school because of being adopted because the the mindset of children at the time and I hope it's changed now was that I was a reject mm -hmm. and, and as a child hearing you're a reject and that your parents didn't want you look I'm not made of stone I was absolutely devastated and it was you know, conversations that happened over quite a number of years mm -hmm. uh, so that that was hard so I'm not made of rock I'm not made of stone yeah. what the word is I'm not made of that and do you think that shapes you? Do you think that shapes you to become the kind of the, the kind of the strong person that you are today? Then, I th do you know what I think? People, friends, family around you help shape you in different ways. My dad's a really strong character. He's very down to earth. I've got friends that are absolute rocks. I've got a husband that's absolute rock. The, the children are as well. I think. I think I'm actually, I think I'm influenced by people around me, mm -hmm. um, perhaps more so than events. I don't know if that makes sense, actually, Colin, but mm -hmm. in, my, in my head it does, because I don't really read anything. It, if I've got, um, I read emails all day, so I don't read anything outside <laughs> of work unless I go on holiday, and then I just read total junk. But I've got sort of key people that I would, you know, I would talk to, and I think that they help massively. Mm -hmm. I've, yeah. you know, I've got key. I've got definitely got key people yeah. in my life that I would turn to. Yeah, and has that always been the case, or kind of whilst you were growing up, kind of is is that a more recent thing, or have you always had that kind of support network around you? Yeah, I think I have. To be honest with you. I'm trying to think through the different years. Dad dad moved an awful lot with his job, so we kept on having to make new friends in lots of different places. In fact, I was with a financial advisor yesterday. He said, I've known your dad for years, and your dad has the record for the most amount of houses I've ever known. <laughs> and he doesn't own lots of houses. He had just yeah. moved so mm -hmm. much. It's untrue. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But but everywhere I've, everywhere I've gone, We've picked a really good network of good friends, family around us. So that they they definitely ground me. And it's tough because you know these things can set you back in in early days as well. It's it's by no means the same, but kind of I, I grew up in a single parent family for a, for a short spell. Mum, mum, and dad kind of split up when I was quite young. So for like maybe six, seven years, kind of you do get treated differently at school. Kind of there's there's no doubt about it. Kind of if you come from a single parent household. There's a little bit of bullying goes on, and kids treat you a little bit differently. So I think as you get older, can maybe these things do make you a little bit stronger, kind of subconsciously. But um, I went on. I was I was lucky enough. Kind of, my dad was always in my life, and and when I was eleven years old, I kind of I was introduced to a stepdad as well. So kind of, I, I guess I had the kind of best of both worlds here because I ended up with with with, with two dads and one mum. So, but these things do shape you. There's no doubt about it. Can I, I, when I look back, I think I think they definitely kind of make you stronger um in, in later life so anyway mo moving on from that kind of 2016 yeah. you set up you set up make it happen signage consultancy what brought you what brought you to you know to doing that that's that's quite a big step I, I got to an age where i thought if i don't do it now i'm never gonna do it mm -hmm. and the passion for doing something for myself rather than other people mm -hmm. you know roles that i've done i managed to make other people a fair amount of money and, you know, in my two previous roles, I remember people saying, oh, you know, if you leave, it's not going to be the same, et cetera. So obviously nobody's irreplaceable. People move on. That's that's what happens. But 
I just thought, well, rather than working 12-hour days for somebody else, I might as well work 12-hour mm-hmm. days for myself. Absolutely. I've always joked it's uh, the best thing about being self-employed is getting to choose which 18 hours of the day you get to work. <laughs> but you're doing it for you, so that's, that that does make a big difference. And how and how has it been? Can has it been has it been plain sailing? Has there been has there been any bumps in the road? Can I, that you would like to share? I think there's always going to be bumps in the road, isn't there? I think it's unrealistic if you have anything other than that. I mean, I remember mm-hmm. some, some really good words of advice from somebody saying to me, you know, the first year's tough. Uh, when you get to when you get to five years, it will become a little bit easier. And mm-hmm. actually, that has completely been true. Mm-hmm. So you know, we're now seven years in, and I don't know if it's getting easier. It's our processes are really good. The team's really good. Our clients know why they come to us. Mm-hmm. We have really really good customers so we do just just the record because most people don't actually know what make it happen do they mm-hmm. see the training element of it but we actually still buy and sell a huge amount of signage within the signage industry by working with trade partners mm-hmm. uh, but our customers come to us knowing that we'll sort of handhold and guide them along the way and that it's sort of it's sort of like a one-stop shop so rather than so it means that their sales team can go out go and get the quotation, fire it across the team, we'll fire it out to multiple suppliers and come back to them with what what is a fair price mm-hmm. in the industry. And then we just keep, you know, remain in contact throughout. So we mm-hmm. almost project manage every role. And the reality of it is we've probably got 30 regular customers. Mm-hmm. They're fantastic. They pay on time or the majority of them. They pay on time. The relationship's mm-hmm. really good. If things go wrong, they know that we'll rectify it. It's mm-hmm. a really, I always use the word, Colin, and you must do as well within your role. It's all about partnerships. Surround yourself with people that it's a partnership. It's not yep. just a job. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. making it happen to me is not just a job. And I know certainly um, with Katie, with the work ethic, and don't get me wrong, I'm not, I'm not saying not Zoe as well. But Katie became a director a number of years ago because she puts her heart and soul into it. She really does, which is why she became a coup, though she doesn't want to call herself. <laughs> and and Zoe's the same, you know, that both the ladies have got young children. Yeah. Bouncing children and work is really difficult. But I think if you just you can't do this with everybody, and I appreciate it, but I think if you just give that little bit of a free reign. The girls know what they need to achieve. They achieve it, and they hit better than that. And mm-hmm. if it means that they go to the school because one of the children is in a concert or they need to go off the doctors, that is so important. Yeah, and having it's having that, that flexibility, isn't it? Flexibility. I remember Katie saying to me, that was worth its weight in gold. Um, mm-hmm. And it is really important, especially when you're such a small team. I, I appreciate as you grow, you can't have everybody going off left, right and centre. Mm-hmm. But, we, but because we're very close in it, it, it's none of that. We just we just get on with it. And when somebody needs to be out for a period of time, we just, we've just we got each other's backs. It's lovely. Yeah. Really, and that's really the way it should be. And, and from kind of people that you work with, kind of perspective, what, what makes make it happen different? Why are, why are you someone they should, they should consider over other signage consultancies? Well, first, I don't know many. 
if I'm honest, because mm -hmm. I don't know if actually people put themselves under the consultancy bracket. They probably are, but they'll be yeah. development or sales. Mm -hmm. I think I think the 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 thing with myself and the team is something I'm very, very precious about is that we won't just quote what's been asked. Mm -hmm. We offer different solutions. And because, say, for example, you've got a, a trade supplier, they do fabricated metal work, but they actually then don't do a flex space, as example, mm -hmm. then they'll, they'll potentially they'll quote something else instead of a flex space. There's a really good example where somebody had a, I think it was a nine metre by eight metre sign tray. Now, that mm -hmm. should be in a flex space, but because that fabricator didn't do flex spaces, they didn't offer that. They offered panels that all had to butt up, and it really shouldn't have been made like that. So we will, we'll, between our knowledge and, and actually our network of knowledge, mm -hmm. our suppliers, we'll go and find correct solutions rather than just sell what one person will do. It might be, for example, Katie's got a lovely job at the moment and it's got multiple suppliers, but she's pulling it all together. She's essentially mm -hmm. project managing, but we're still strict trade only. I yeah. have a real problem with teaching or sorry, working, teaching workshops. However, mm -hmm. you want to work. Some people say I find it belittling saying teaching and I certainly don't mean it in that way. Mm -hmm. But by working with people on the workshops and helping them, for me, it didn't sit right that we should deal with end users. So the team, we only deal with trade. And I said, mm -hmm. you know, and people re really need to understand the business and what we offer, because if they're going out and getting five different quotes because it's purely the price that matters, maybe they're not the right. Because we kind of sit in the middle most of the time with our pricing. Yeah, so but it's about the value that it's about it's, the value that you're putting into that as well, isn't it? Exactly that, exactly that. Which is why I talk about value and valuing your time, etc., all the time. So mm -hmm. I think that that's what makes a difference. And also, you know, from because of running the workshops. We almost actually train people as we're quoting them. So rather mm -hmm. than just quoting it, we'll actually explain why we've done it like that, because that will help in the future reference. And at the end of the day, our customers have come to us. They're our sales team. So the better they are, the more the whole partnership, the relationship's going to work. Absolutely. Do you find that's a, 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 a challenge, you know, with, with the, the people that you do educate through your workshops and, and work with on a consultancy basis? Like, can a, are people valuing they're time enough when they're when they're pricing jobs when they're when they're assessing kind of what they do in their business on a day-to-day -day basis my, my honest answer to that colin and given the nature of your business as, as well is i don't think many people have had sales training mm -hmm. they're just really nice people and and i want to buy from you because you're a nice person yeah so i wouldn't disagree with that if, if say, i'm saying to you colin you know I've got a sign. You, know, you want to, to to buy a sign from me. My job is to create your branding to make it look the best I can. But in mm -hmm. order to do that, I need to have a budget from you because I can make signs from ten pounds right up to a hundred thousand. I need mm -hmm. to understand where we sit so that we don't quote something that's well off your. And and I think when people get the answer, I don't have one. They mm -hmm. give up there and then. And then go ahead and start quoting the bees, knees, the Rolls Royce, and then get very disheartened when two weeks later they go back and find a piece of Fomex up. So I think, and it will be with every industry, there isn't, there isn't, I don't think there are 
would be a huge amount of people within the industry that have had sales training to support mm. them. Yeah, I couldn't agree and more. I think, and I think by actually doing sales training and understanding how you do get a budget, how you do mm. close a sale, how you create a relationship is really important. And that that's what we do on the front line. And I know with yourself, you do um, similar it's absolutely it's about helping people and, it, and, it, and it, i don't know your fees colin you can put that on your own podcast <laughs> but our fee for our workshop of the, the sales element one is 320 pounds i hope you don't mm-hmm. mind me saying on here but not at all they'll get that back within a week mm-hmm. yeah absolutely it's absolutely just, you know it, it sometimes i'm i i don't know about you and i try not to put it too strongly but because i'm so passionate about it i find it very difficult listening all the time looking on LinkedIn all the time and saying look at this piece of equipment look at this piece of equipment look at this piece of and we're talking ten thousand a hundred thousand companies seem to invest in machinery mm-hmm. without a bat of an eyelid Mm-hmm. Yeah, investing in their staff that who are the core of their business, mm-hmm. and then she falls silence because what yeah. else is there to say? Mm-hmm. No, absolutely, it's, it's something I struggle with as well. Can and it's it's getting people to recognise that value in the impact it can it can have on their business, and even on occasion with the the coaching fees or the the, the training fees or coming along to events. Can kind of, it's, it's something my, my stepfather always kind of kind of hammered into me was you've got to speculate to accumulate you've got to invest in yourself and um if you're not willing to do that then then perhaps they're not the right fit for your business as well can i know, I know we've spoken about that in the past about kind of what do you do with those customers who who don't value what you what you bring to the table and i and i, and I put that question out as it's is obviously on the consultancy side but also kind of to the, to the listeners in, in the podcast kind of i'm sure they've all got customers out there who don't value them enough. They're, they're, they're usually the ones that kind of complain about all the quotes all the time. They they don't want to um, spend the money. They take up most of their time. They're probably the most challenging ones that you really want to get rid of. What do, what do you do with these customers? Kind of what would what would, you, what would be your advice? I I politely divorce them. <laughs> yeah, and quite often, kind of when you do challenge them, I've certainly found um, over the years, kind of. The ones that don't want to pay, when you, when you do kind of say, I don't think we're a good fit anymore, all of a sudden they're prepared to pay that a little bit more. All of a sudden they're prepared to value you because they do start to see what you bring to the table. And if they do decide to go elsewhere, then you know, your, your life's a lot a lot simpler and, a, and much easier kind of without them as well, isn't it? Because, again, it's all about valuing your time. And I think mm-hmm. when you start your own business, you just want to grab everything you can. Mm-hmm. But then when you find somebody is quite happy to have I don't know. This, I mean, this is a, a a live, not live now, but this is from quite a number of years ago. Somebody who was perfectly prepared to take up two hours of time on a call that wanted all the help and advice about a totem, mm-hmm. then went out to several different suppliers, mm-hmm. then rang me back and said, "Well, yours is more expensive." I said, "Well, did the other supplier actually call you?" He said, "No." I said, okay, can I see the quote? Don't you see the prices? So I looked at both quotes and I said, right, I, thought, I can tell you for a fact will be more expensive mm-hmm. because I called you and I've got all the information I need and the other person has just done extended legs and that will not work on your job. So 
it, it sort of goes on from there. Again, it's looking at uh, your resource and getting to the point where you think, do you know what? There, there is no value. That there's no value in the relationship because, as you say, they're absorbing all your time. They don't understand that whole thing of time is money. You know, I, I, I'm certainly when I'm not talking about a totem on a phone call for two hours, I'm not getting paid for that. Exactly. So it, it's almost like it's just understand your own value. And, you know, and, you know, when I divorced two customers, it was very politely. It just we mm-hmm. were not the right fit for each other. Yeah. And you have had it. It's exactly the same scenario, taking 60 plus days to pay, then wanted to pay by credit card to then get a hit with a credit card fee. Mm-hmm. I mean, we always speak to our customers very openly about our terms of business they all expect their goods on time. And as I mentioned, one of our lovely customers of the day, you expect goods on time. I expect paying on time. This is how a relationship works. It's something I don't think enough people do. And I think I like that term, divorcing clients. And I think I think we could all be, be looking at divorcing clients a little bit more. So, so tell me, kind of, you've been in business now seven years. What's been the, and this is the one thing I think not enough people kind of talk about. But what's what's been the biggest mistake you've made over over that period? I don't, I've not overly had any of those, to be honest with you, um, Colin. Which is why I'm finding it really difficult to answer that. Ah, I've just suddenly thought of an example. I took on a project that absorbed every single hour of every single day for myself and Katie. And it was Mm -hmm. almost to the detriment of the business because Mm -hmm. we, you know, our customers, our other customers then suffered. So at the time you think, wow, we've got this amazing project. It's going to be amazing. But actually had we, and don't be wrong, I'm still really glad we did it. Really Mm -hmm. glad because it was good learning, good learning curve. But would I do it again now? Well, again, I, I'd make sure I'd got the resource to manage that as mm. well as other work because you cannot let by one customer coming in. It's like that whole all eggs in one basket thing. We didn't have all our eggs in one basket. The problem is this 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 basket was absorbing every hour of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And as I said, almost to the detriment to the rest of the business. I'm sorry I had to really think about that, but majority of the time, make it happen, business has been mm-hmm. very positive. So I was trying to think of a which good Which is example. a good thing, which is a good thing, but something i see frequently and i'm sure you do as well kind of it, it worries me kind of one of the first things i do when i when i when i sit with a new client is is looking at the, the kind of client spread and kind of it terrifies me um i had one quite recently where 40 percent of this person's business was is was was on two businesses uh, two customers and i've i've been through that situation myself in fact it's 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 one of the main reasons I lost my first business was because I sixty percent of my work was over two clients and sadly one of them um, I lost through no fault of my own it was a it was a bank thing and the second one company the company went bust owing me quite a lot of money so it's it terrifies me and it worries me just now because even even today I think after the pandemic people are people are scared to say no to work and and therefore they. They don't always think about the consequences or the impact that that's going to have on their business. They just say yes to everything, even even when it's not a good fit for their business. Is that something you come across frequently as well? Yeah, I think with my ISA cap on, 
I do have quite a number of businesses, business owners that reach out and they talk about exactly the same scenario where they don't want to turn away business. And I, and I actually heard it this morning, Colin, that somebody had priced a job and they'd literally just priced it at rock bottom and probably making no money. In, in fact, words were potentially losing money mm -hmm. rather than letting somebody else come in and take the work. And it's just like, this is a really established business. And, and it, it's not the first time I've heard it. I mean, I've mm -hmm. actually heard that so many times this year. It, the industry changed since the pandemic. Mm -hmm. a, a lot has changed since the pandemic, and I totally appreciate that. But to to hear that, it's just almost like, yeah, there's been quite a number of businesses that have gone bump over the like, last few years, mm -hmm. and I'm sure there's going to be quite a few more with that happening, that they're yeah. just buying the business. Mm -hmm. And that, that would be a real shame. But I think I, I think as an industry we've we've got to make sure that we're talking to people that we're, we're collaborative in the way that we work and by that i mean let's all stop undercutting each other by 20 pounds 50 pounds you are mm -hmm. devaluing our industry yes yeah. i know you want work mm -hmm. but by if somebody's prepared to want 20 pound here 20 pound there let them do it yeah yeah, I'm so glad you say that because that's something I try and hammer into the clients that I work with all the time, and it's um, it, it's it's selling on value. It's it's kind of if if they're going to keep hammering you down in price, they're one of those customers that you just want to drop into that divorce bracket, isn't it? Kind of you want to you want to make sure that kind of people value what you do, what you bring to the table, and 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 actually, kind of the sale doesn't end as soon as you as soon as you do the job. Sometimes, like kind of. We should be educating these 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 customers and and how best to use these products so that they come back time and time again as well. So I touched on it. I touched on it earlier, kind of, but we didn't go into much detail. But earlier this year, you won the industry champion award at the Sign Awards. Tell us a little bit about that. Oh, I just grinned a lot, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> and you were up. You were up against some pretty heavy competition as well. Uh, and it's really funny because I was absolutely adamant that it was not me. Uh, going to go up. It's funny because Craig and Dave, Craig Brown, David Allen, our new ISA president, and Jeff Bufton, operations director at Signs Express. I think there was a little bit of uh, you know banter going on in the background, and they they'd all said, "Yes, it's going to be you, Sam." But I was like, "Absolutely not!" <laughs> uh, and even not so on the evening itself. It's in fact because we were at Sign and Digital, Colin. We'd had the Tuesday, so all day Tuesday, I had people saying, "Oh, are you excited? You're excited? You've got this? You've got this!" And then Wednesday, I had it throughout the day as well. Mm -hmm. And then we got to the event. I had kept on people coming over. I mean, I'm very fortunate that I've met a lot of people in my career. So, yeah. you know, from 20 years ago, I've been stood on trade stands. So I've made a lot of really good friends in the industry over the years. And yeah, it just seemed like everybody got my back. It's nice to get that recognition, and especially that honour, kind of when you were up against such a, a heavy, heavy bunch of finalists as well. It could, it, it genuinely could have been any one of you, but I'm, I'm so glad to see that kind of. It was yourself and um it would have been interesting to see if it had gone to public vote, wouldn't it? Because at the end of the day <laughs> there were three judges. So they had they had to base it on reading up on us. 
Mm -hmm. So if it had gone out to public, it might have been a different story. I've got no idea. But yeah, it was an amazing evening. Not so sure about the next day on the train home, but, you know, I am only human. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and I'm sure you were given a bit of a, a sing song to Whitney Houston. We, we, we know you love a bit of Whitney Houston karaoke, don't, don't yeah. you, Sam? So, 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 so tell me, kind of seven years you've, you've had the business now, kind of what's been the, what's been the most rewarding aspect of Make It Happen so far? Katie becoming uh, director, rewarding for me and rewarding for her because when somebody works that hard and is so committed, yeah, that that was that was a really nice moment. Rewarding in terms of myself. One evening that I did blub because I don't mind saying that was in ISA at the ISA event in Vegas this year. Mm -hmm. In April, so I was very nervous about going. Most of my workshops are run for eight people at a time because I like mm -hmm. to make sure I keep everybody engaged. Yeah, there was different terminology, there's different metrics. I was really nervous. I'd got jet lag. Apart from that, it was great. And I met Mike and Wendy for the first time. They were helping out me over in the USA with the workshops, and we'd done the uh, side boot camp all day Tuesday we'd done on the front line the next morning jet lag was absolutely horrendous at this stage and that night we went to the ISA rocks party and just so many people coming over and saying that was amazing that was fantastic when you coming back and then I'd had a couple of drinks because I was relaxing not too many because I was training the next day and then I went back to my room and open up my laptop, catching up eight hours time difference. Uh, probably what I should have done is go to bed, but I didn't do that. <laughs> Started reading my emails. And it was actually from a lot of people that had attended the workshops over the last couple of days, mm -hmm. just saying how amazing it was. And I sat on my own, looking at the skyline, looking at Vegas from my hotel bedroom with a little glass of fizz and a little tear running down my face. And I seem to remember you taking to LinkedIn that evening as well, if I remember rightly. <laughs> what not to do I, I'm, I'm bad at that because you know when you're really passionate about something mm -hmm. that's when I turn into too much of a tigger the mm -hmm. one thing I always need to teach myself is that and is not just to react at that time to sit back and digest and listen and I do try and tell myself that but it's very it's very difficult when you're feeling very bouncy and very elated so you touched on the fact that normally your workshops are for like eight people at a time. How many? How many did you have over in the states? We had three days, and we had uh, we saw ninety five people. Wow! So that's that's quite a that's quite a jump from what you're used to. Yeah, we capped it. I well, I would say we I capped it because I, what I didn't want to do was to be able to lose the personal interaction that mm -hmm. I have, but. They kind of loved the accent. They loved the terminology I said. I think they liked the fact I'm quite light-hearted in my style training. Mm -hmm. It's serious because it's training and I've got to teach them the right things. But I think if you're listening from somebody till nine till four, there's got to be that interaction. And yeah. there's loads of stuff around. There's lots of things, you know, products to touch and feel, demonstrations where they got up and looked at different sample cases. And because Mike and Wendy, and I'm really sorry, I've got to say this as well, Sarah, my best friend, Sarah McGee came out with me. Sarah's not from the industry, 
but she's just an absolute rock. She came out, she flew out with me. She organised me with an inch of my life, which was really good. She said the first morning she sat with me, just before we did boot camp the first time, she said, you just sat in total silence. She said, I didn't see it, say anything because I knew you were totally mm-hmm. tuning into the day. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, having, um, having them there actually helped me keep that engagement of that many people because otherwise I would have been probably more nervous. Yeah. But... Saying that, we're, we're going we're gonna to take up to 50 next year. Because, again, as long as we've got the right number of people in the room to actually help and support, mm-hmm. I know it would yeah. be okay. Mm-hmm. So you're going back this year then, yeah? We're going to Orlando in September with the SSSA. Mm-hmm. And then we are going back to Orlando in April next year with the ISA International again. So we've been booked for both, which obviously I'm delighted about. And I think it's a five-hour time difference, which is a lot easier than eight. <laughs> and you say that they say the accent went down uh, well over there. Can I, I'm assuming that's your Glasgow accent from from your Scottish days. I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I won't yeah. put you on the spot. I won't put you on the spot. So you've obviously you've got those plans for the for the states. What else is on the cards for make it happen? And uh, how can how can people reach out to you if they like what they hear listening to this podcast? We're on LinkedIn a fair amount. Um, we are launching a brand new website tomorrow, www.makeih.com. Clearly .com's come into it because of the USA side mm-hmm. of it. Um, yep. So that's happening tomorrow. Uh, we have some more news in August, but I'm not sharing that yet. I think really, for myself, the ladies are absolutely superb at running the product side of the business. And I don't mind dabbling in that, but my passion is being with people and in front of people. Mm -hmm. So although I will do it to help whilst holidays, etc., that's not my true passion. I can do it for a few days and I start getting sort of itchy feet to be out and about and seeing people. Mm-hmm. But obviously, I'm seeing you in October, yes. 24th. 24th of October. Yeah. Good plug for the, the print growth show in London. My hope is with the Mike and Wendy is to actually work with more trade associations on the training and then mm-hmm. hopefully get Mike and Wendy set up so that they can run individual programs like myself for eight people yeah. at a time. So, so that would be my goal in all honesty. Yeah. If it means that I've got more travel in the next couple of years, I don't have an issue with that. I'm secretly hoping that New Zealand is going to happen next July. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Uh, but, but but we'll see. I mean, you'll know yourself, Colleen, you have to diversify all the time. I have a sales plan and it's a one-page document. If it goes over one page, I can't concentrate because there's just too much going on. And I like to tick things off. And that has got to continually change as with the environment with what's happening i mean we normally go like july is normally goes really quiet we will hit record numbers in sales this month we, we, we've just done we take our six weeks off for summer training because everybody goes on workshops mm-hmm. so you have to look at that and diversify and again that's why we're taking somebody else on because i can't let our standards slip i'm so mm-hmm. passionate about the customer service side that we offer that I can't allow that slip. But would it be just me staying within products? Probably not. Will I go the team to do more products? Well, I'll take it a step at a time because I'm in, I'm in a position where I feel comfortable with it. And yeah. I don't 
I don't want to be a beast. I don't, well, probably some people think I am a beast already, but I mean, I don't want to be a big beast. I don't mm-hmm. want to be, you know, seven staff to 85 staff. I don't want mm-hmm. that. I want yeah. people that want to come to work, that enjoy their work, love working with their customers. Customers, and we have our customers, they send us funny WhatsApps. It's a friendship, it's not mm-hmm. just. Uh, a business relationship. Yeah, it's all about the relationships. It's, it's, it's yeah. about building strong relationships as well. Uh, yeah, 100%. And interestingly, so obviously, kind of, and, and one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the, the podcast so early on as well, obviously you come predominantly from signage background, I, I'm from print, but the two are very much kind of cohabiting in the same, the same space just now. Kind of people are looking for ways to diversify their offering you know there's printers moving into signage and signage and companies moving into to selling print kind of what's the one piece of advice you would give to business considering kind of moving into signage and kind of i know i've i've sent some um, some print people down to yourself for the courses and yeah. they've come back with 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 fantastic feedback and they're they're, they're a lot more confident in moving into to, to understanding signage solutions now, can I? But what bit of advice would you, would you give to someone considering that? The biggest one I would give, and I will give it hands on heart, day in, day out, is there is absolutely no need to be able to manufacture in-house. There isn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I see so many companies going, oh, I need to buy the router, I need to buy the laser, I need to buy the printer, I need to do everything, and I need to get the staff on to do that. I think if you ask the majority of manufacturers, would they do it again? I think the majority of them would actually say no. Mm-hmm. Would they start again? And and it's rely on people that are specialists within the mm-hmm. trade of what they do. Yeah. And I am confident, uh, I really am so confident on this, I think you can make more money buying and selling than you actually can do in manufacturing because you can't mm-hmm. control machines, you can't control staff turning up on the site and the, the difference in, in, in uh, material costs, etc. When that's somebody else's problem, you are literally mm-hmm. buying it in, you're yeah. putting your margin on and you are selling it. So you know mm-hmm. exactly what your overheads are and you know exactly what your margins on. I have so many friends within the industry, as well as people that come on our workshops that say, oh, no, we, we need to start doing it in-house. And then so many people have rung me and said, oh, Sam, I'm buying a letter-making machine. Why? Why are you buying a letter-making machine? We have people out there that are doing it by hand. Don't get me wrong, it does work for a couple of people that I know, but I'm mm-hmm. literally talking about two people I know use their letter-making machine. The rest of the time, they are put in a corner and they are never used again. Uh-huh. So yeah. don't think, so my top bit of advice is don't think you need to manufacture everything in-house yeah. and some people want to have some control over whether it's vinyls or print or something yeah. but don't feel that you need to invest in every single piece of equipment and the staff to run it mm-hmm. when i do think hands on heart you will make more money by buying and selling yeah. especially with the energy crisis going on colin Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of really good trade suppliers out there. Let's be honest, there's, there's, there's a hell yeah. of a lot. Kind of, there's yeah. more now than there was certainly when I when I came yeah. into the industry. Kind of these these yeah. options weren't available to me back then. But had they been, I would have probably taken a, a very different course yeah. and and not tried to build the biggest print factory in the world, even though it was only it was it was only a small one. But to me, it was a, a big beast. But yeah, there is there's there's enough good trade suppliers out there um, to to make that work and to make yeah. it happen. Yeah. 
that achieved in the end. Well done. <laughs> Listen, thank you so, so much for, for, for coming on the podcast today. And, and thank you for being the very first person to come on and, and be my guest. So sure, I'm sure there's lots of great golden nuggets in, in there for people to take away. Um, I hope everyone's enjoyed listening to this for, uh, first podcast and uh, I look forward to welcoming new listeners in the future and hopefully we'll maybe have you on again at some point further down the line and see what you're up to, Sam. That's fantastic. Thanks ever so much, Colin. Take okay, care. Okay, thanks again. Take care.